This episode is sponsored by Splendor in the Grass. You're listening to The Plug with Neil Griffith. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of The Plug Podcast with me, Neil Griffiths. Hope all is well on your side of the world. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Before we get started, if you haven't already, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at theplug.podcast or watch previous episodes on our YouTube page, which is also at theplug.podcast. I've been in New York now for just over a year, so I'm wrapped to welcome my guest on this show who just brought me straight back to Australia. This week, I am joined by the man, the myth, the legend, the Batuta advocate, editor at large, Clancy Overall. Clancy came on to promote Batuta's new show. It's called The Batuta Advocate Presents, and it's streaming on Paramount Plus right now. As well as talking about the origins of the satirical news site, which has a higher readership in Australia than some legacy media sites, Clancy also discussed how their new TV show came to be, and some of the episodes they look into, including Hillsong and the 2005 Cronulla Riots. The Batuta Advocate will also present their podcast live at July's Splendor in the Grass Festival. For more details, head over to SplendorInTheGrass.com. Alright, let's get into it. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Clancy Overall on The Plug Podcast. Alrighty, welcoming to The Plug Podcast for the very first time. I am stoked to be joined by one of journalism's inspirations clancy overall of the Batita advocate sir welcome to the podcast thank you for having me mate thank you thanks for having me along uh, i i appreciate you doing this number one because uh i'm in new york right now where it's uh close to 7 p.m i know it is still mm-hmm. relatively early in australia so i do appreciate you coming on a podcast where the aim of the game is to talk and be entertaining so thank you i think i think we've found the, the good middle ground here i mean most australians should be getting into work and around this time so i'm not i'm not complaining too much how, how are things in australia right now i've been in america for about a year now how how is how is home i miss as soon as you started talking i was like oh i miss the australian accent <laughs> yeah you gotta go down to williamsburg mate <laughs> um no it's it's going all right mate it's um it's a funny time there's like there's obviously a major vacuum in like culture wars because you know we kind of have a government now that uh i guess the last government we had was basically called the country into an emergency state of emergency so there was no debate there was no negotiations there was just kind of like it was kind of like an auto you know an autocrat dictatorship um during the lockdown uh america didn't maybe that was the way to do it i don't know but yeah scott morrison certainly um didn't face much opposition to whatever harebrained idea he would have at any given time. So now it's interesting to see our news cycle return to like, you know, uh, legislation being debated or, Mm. you know, people having to negotiate and compromise on things. We we didn't have that during the pandemic. It was kind of, you know, uh, we were all told to band together, but really no one had any say. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, I did, again, I, I'm so good to talk to you because I've been a fan of you guys for a while now. I myself am a journalist, have been for a decade. Um, so before we get into, I guess the, the TV show, you guys are are on your remote, just a quick, this is your life moment. Maybe just give people who don't know a quick spiel of, of the tutor advocate and how you guys got together in 2014. Yeah, we were just uh, limping along as a, you know, kind of news organ um 
and then somehow convinced to to get online, which we never really thought would take off. And thankfully, we did uh, because you know a lot of people in you know, the major legacy mastheads were of the same opinion we initially were, which was uh, you know what's social media going to offer media. Um, Thankfully, we were convinced otherwise. We jumped straight into it. And, you know, next thing you know, we are, we're doing bigger numbers than, you know, some of these legacy mastheads. So, um, mm. yeah, just, uh, you know, we all come from a background of, you know, conservative politics, political staffing. We've all been on the dark side before. Um, and, you know, some of us have been involved in other major news uh, within the belly of other major news families. But uh, yeah, the Tudor Advocate seems to be a good place for us to run at capacity and, uh, and you know, do what we would have done for a small town newspaper otherwise, um, but take it to the world. What was the, I guess, the catalyst for you guys to say, let's pivot to, to doing this site? It's like you said, especially at a time when like social media, like, you know, putting your stories out and, and promoting them on Facebook, that was a weird conversation mm. like should we do that what will that do what made you go no fuck that let's do that rather than just stick on with that as you said the conservative side of journalism well we thought basically we just thought what what do we have to lose here you know we're seeing major disruptions we're seeing the adventation of the uh of the 24-hour news cycle so we thought we better take you know the bull by the horns here um but with that you also have to sacrifice any concept of you know you have to napstify media which is what basically social media did you know it's all peer-to-peer now do not expect one person to pay for it Mm. um and i guess some people would say that that was basically the decline of western civilization when we um resorted to clickbaits and um you know you've gone for big numbers as opposed to uh nuance thinking about where it was and where it is now like how many when you started batuta how many were in there like writing these these stories only a couple of us, mate. Yeah. Now we're yeah. Yeah, now, now the newsroom hasn't grown that much bigger either. That's the whole thing is you've got to run at capacity, you know, right. in, in this in this kind of um you know, I don't know how you describe it, but it's um you know, it's have you ever watched The Wire? Yeah. You know the TV show, you know the, the famous line they keep saying as they're slashing all the journalists is yeah. need to do more with less, do more with less. Yeah. Like we've never known the more in the Batuta Advocate, you know what I mean? <laughs> we've never known the, the 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 more in the office. It's all been running at capacity. So it's just do more with what you have. Yeah. Um, do the most. Was, th- was there a particular moment in this last decade? Like I know obviously in the last couple of years, probably pre-pandemic when Batuta headlines started hitting mainstream. And again, I've worked in mainstream media. I've worked in fucking tabloids. Mm-hmm. music media i guess when i read those headlines being a journalist i know when something's funny or taking the piss did yeah. it shock you how many people that didn't know that it was a bit well it, it you know it it didn't surprise us at all mm. um that the first people to really figure out what was going on were some of these rural well it was, it was people in the bush really in, in rural australia right um even the politicians were all over it you know they got it um they they enjoyed it they uh, um they had a bit of fun with it but you know it was it was it was actually quite surprising the the actual media class of that era and I and I know everyone's changed and adapted and had to upskill but of that particular era early social media media um they yeah they were hook line and sinker 
Has there mm. been an, an event in the last few years where it's like a, this is why we do what we do. Like when we look at sensationalism and the ridiculous propaganda or just trying to blow things out of proportion, is there a particular event or a number of events where you're like, this is exactly why we exist? Well, that, no, it's, it happens without you realizing, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, that something will come along, a new cycle will come along where everyone just goes into autopilot and we don't stop. And we could do like two, three days, same story, the same exact yarn, like mm-hmm. two, three days worth of different angles. Um, that's when you kind of see what, what it is and, and, um, and, you know, why people have come along and joined us and, uh, and why, and what people, you know, people, We'll be sitting there for the same shit, the same take, uh, or, or, or just the same story over and over again, uh, with just with different angles, different ways of putting it. You know, good examples are the, the Australian cricket team's ball tampering scandal when they're scuffing up the ball. We had, we could have gone on that one. For, we could we could have done half a year just on that one story, or you know, when there's when you know there's a political scandal like a you know an legitimate child, um, yeah. I mean, we actually pulled ourselves up on Barnaby Joyce. We're going, geez, he's become a bit of an easy punching bag here. We, you know, the Red Rooter. Um, we had all these yards about him. You know, uh, turning him into a sex icon and and, and <laughs> yeah. you know, talking about all these other things he's fucked. You know, um, and then I guess the that that's when you know that's when you uh you, you you kind of switch into into gear and realize what what it's all about but i don't see i do think the yarns that the people spin about are oh, the Matuda advocates having having influence i don't believe that you know what i mean i i don't believe i think that could be a cop out in many examples um i don't believe we sway too much you know we have this fleeting kind of um role in people's lives just like the, you know, just like the Simpsons, or uh, we're not. I'm not comparing myself to these. Or Mad Magazine, like Mad Magazine, never told anyone to go out and vote. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And that's where I, uh, I think that's our sweet spot. It, it was funny, like again, working in in kind of music entertainment media in the last few years, particularly the pandemic in the early stages of the lockdown, when it's like every day another concert, another tour, another premiere was being cancelled. Like you said, it was like we could just run that for six months. And mm. it was it was the Labor Party saying, you know, government's doing fuck all. And Liberals like, mm. no, nah, we'll get to it. And it was mm. just that back and forth. It was essentially the same story for six months. It's funny that you yeah. mentioned that. It is weird yeah. how that works. Yeah. Well, we see we have fun with the more bizarre. And that's basically what we've done with this TV show, except it's not current affairs. It's it's we're kind of looking back in modern history. Mm. But I guess what the Batuta Advocate's done, and what a lot of people like about the Batuta Advocate, in in our opinion, is that we do kind of um, expose or, or or just confront Australia's bizarre character. Uh, you know, Australians. There's two versions of Australia that people like to think of. There's the sun, you know, sun-kissed surf surfy, who's you know um, a bit out there and a bit bizarre and a bit of fun. An archetype that I reckon probably exists more in the Caribbean or Hawaii. You know what sure. I mean? Like yeah. this idea of a, of a coasty fun boy, like a um, Yahoo serious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or there's like the stoic, rural, uh, you know, uh, crocodile Dundee. Sure. But you know, as we know, majority of Australia don't live in that part of the world, on the coast or in the outback. 
in either part of the world. And and, and I think Australia and we, and we know Australia to be a really weird place. Uh, and it, it's it's occasionally rears its head in you know in mainstream storytelling. I mean, Chopper Reed's probably a good example of that. The the, the movie particularly, sure. Like that's not that's not the image we like to show to the world of ourselves. No. Or um, you know, Priscilla Queen of the Desert was a great example of that. You know what I mean? <laughs> and 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 what that what that movie's done for outback New South Wales is hilarious. Broken Hill's now like a queer capital. They have a they have a drag show once a year called Broken Hill. You know, oh, wow. People don't expect that. They don't expect Broken Hill to be a gay capital. Yeah, um, but it is, and, and then because because there's a certain versions that we tell of us, and Tudor Advocate, uh, you know, we like to zone in on those blokes, you know, or those or those women in the in the in the workplace, the in the office, or the, you know, on the work site, or at the family Christmas, you know, Boxing Day. Um, they're they're all there. We all want them to be true. They just we don't. No one really acknowledges them or or. Um, or profiles them uh, in our mainstream kind of discourse because, you know, we prefer to talk about Atlassian or, um, mm. you know what I mean, or or Sir Sidney Kidman or, uh, you know, <laughs> Gina Reinhardt, you know? Yeah. Um, I do, again, congratulations on the show. The Batuta Advocate presents. Um, Paramount were kind enough to, to give me all the episodes and watch in advance. Number one, congratulations, not only because you got a fucking TV show, but because it is it is difficult in any meeting that you're in to take that and take it to the screen. Uh, this is obviously different in the sense that it's a satirical news site going on to a TV. Um, how did this come about? Let's just start there. How, who called who? Was this a, you guys had this pitch or did they come to you and say, hey, this is great. We want to do something with you. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Everyone's kind of asking if it's a, it's a case of like of, of who you know, not what you know. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say that. I, I, I would say we've been, you know, we've been kind of getting invited to meetings and 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 having these plans for the best part of ten years now. Um, but it was always we weren't always uh, that set on the idea because basically the the idea that was getting thrown to us was do a panel show, you know, sit at a John Oliver style, dissect yeah. the news, play a funny clip say something witty um <laughs> and with the that's you know that's all good and i'm sure we could have a bit of fun doing that but it, it's a lot of work um for basically what we're already doing which is dissecting the news which we we can do it we can do a lot more um sitting at desk you know in the print medium so we kept thinking about it we kept thinking and eventually a couple of blokes came along um who basically said to us well what would you like to do and we knew we, we got to know these blokes. And we realized that um, they were just keen on the idea, and and it was before there was any network notes or anything. So we kind of had the opportunity to put together an idea, um, and then shop it around. And then yeah, and that Paramount were Paramount were keen on it. They were, you know they, they they liked the idea. They were good. They were good people to work with for us because they weren't really necessarily compromised by the Australian media duopoly of you know. Mm. Um, nine newspapers or News Corp. Um, they kind of sit in the middle of all that and they have a lot of footage from back in the day. So doing a history kind of, a modern history uh, series with them was was uh, was perfect because we can um, we can dig into the archives and we've got a lot of talent at hand and um, they don't really give a shit about upsetting, you know, the powers to be. 
It's funny you mentioned John Oliver because watching these episodes, it does have that, you know, when the kind of older Colbert, his yeah. pieces or the Daily Show, um, John mm. Oliver, like the very famous gun control skit yeah. in 2013, for example, like watching that. And it's funny how you do it as well because like you're taking serious subject matter like all the controversy at Hillsong or the Cronulla riots, but you do make them funny. And it's not a we're laughing at what happened. We're yeah. laughing at the insanity of what happened during that mm. time. And I think as we're yeah. recording this, the Cronulla riots episode just came out. Yeah, Is that kind of what you were going for? Like you're looking at what happened and saying, what the fuck were we doing here? Yeah, well, that, that was also the thinking of wanting to pick that certain chapter in history, like 80s, 90s, 2000s, because it was obviously before the advent of social media. So every single thing that happens in this day and age, you look at the, uh, you know, the cap insurrection in, in Washington. You look at that fucking submarine last week. Mm. Everything is analyzed from top to bottom. We know the names, the birth dates. We know every single person involved. We've got different opinions. We've got different experts. Um, and, and, and I guess for a lot of, uh, uh, that, that's, that's the era we're in now. We, you know, we're, we're kind of flooded with information. You kind of go back, you know, a decade, decade or two. And for, for whatever reason, because we only have uh, so many mediums to kind of, uh, broadcast, there are a lot of questions that just went unanswered and, 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 and as the Australian psyche, we were happy to let that 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 one through to the keeper like the, you know there was a lot of we'd, we'd prefer those questions don't get asked and don't get answered and i guess that's australian history 101 um you'll see it now with the with the voice referendum now people are just trying to muddy the waters about what this whole thing is aboriginal constitutional recognition no one wants to talk about it because if you start scraping too deep into it you start talking about oh we took their children away uh <laughs> you know what i mean oh you know there's there's a lot of small towns around this country that still have buildings that have a lot, like, you know, have a lot of scary stories. Um, and I think, you know, the, the Australian psyche is so much wilder and the Australian, like, you know, once a week, there'll be someone doing, there'll be a siege in Queensland. There'll be cops outside our house for 20 hours, a guy with a gun. We were supposed mm-hmm. to have banned our guns. Where are they getting guns? It's a custody battle. Why are there guns involved? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. There's, uh, all of these stories we've got, like no one that right now Sydney's in the middle of a gang war, you know, the 1990s in Melbourne saw one of the, one of the gang wars that, you know, um, you know, would rival. In fact, it does, it did those Melbourne gang wars, the Morans versus the, you know, the William families and the Carlton crew that more people got shot in the streets of Melbourne than they did in the entire reign of Al Capone in Chicago. Jesus. Uh, people don't, people don't really look at these things um, that way in Australia because we, we, we just have this this very amazing PR of ourselves yeah. um, of, you know, laid back larrikin. But the, the larrikin's also a little bit unhinged. It's back and it's the most wonderful time of the year. No, I'm not talking about Christmas. Old Saint Nick wishes he could give you a gift like this. I am talking about the return of Splendor in the Grass. Splendor in the Grass Music and Arts Festival is back and returns at North Byron Parklands on the 21st. 22nd and 23rd of July. Armed with another stacked lineup including Lizzo, Flume, Mumford and Sons, Yeah Yeah Yeahs, Hilltop Hoods, Jay Balvin, Sam Fender, Idols, and so many more, this is a festival you do not want to miss. You can get your tickets right now at SplendorInTheGrass.com. I'll see you at Splendor in the Grass 2023.
Well, again, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but say using this Cronulla Riots episode as an example, was there anything that, that when you guys had to go back and kind of, you know, research all over again, was there anything that stood out to you as like, what the fuck were we doing here? Like, and again, it wasn't that long ago, but when you think yeah. of how far we've come, especially with social media stands where everyone has a voice and everyone has every fucking social media app that exists, was yeah. there anything that stood out as how did this happen in the way that it did? Like, would that have happened in 2023, for example? Yeah, yeah, no. The, the the once we once we'd kind of dug into it, and I actually think it could. There was no way it wasn't going to happen. Mm. Um, when you look at all, all the different factors, um, obviously, Islamophobia was rife in Australia at the time, um, and we say that we can put that on the media. You can put that on the prime minister at the time, John Howe. You can put that on, you know, the actual sensationalism of the whole um, early two thousands. You know, the the politicization of Muslims. But I, I also do think that there's something to be said for the Bali bombings. A lot of, a lot of uh, families lost someone in, in South Sydney, uh, down to the Sutherland Shire. There were, a, there were a couple of football teams that were on football trips. Um, so that really hit close to home, you know. Uh, so that, was, it was, that part of the world was always going to be a little bit more, I guess you'd say, um, abrasive. Mm. To the to to you know whatever whatever was in the news about Muslim people at the time, and then you had you know obviously we had the rain. It was it was like the, the it was the era of talkback radio. Was, talkback was king, and we had some of the best muckrakers, um, sensationalists like you know culture wars stoking kind of commentators in the world. Mm. Like mm. Tucker Carlson, Tucker Carlson could take a few tips from Alan Jones in his in his prime. You know what I mean? Uh, and then, so we had that happening, but there was also, um, that particular era of drinking in, in Australia. And I know people argue that oh, Australians have always drunk a lot and have always, um, and, and, and still have not really changed their behavior. And that's true. You know, they, they try and say that Jeffy don't drink anymore, but I see them out in the piss, mate. They're all out in the pubs <laughs> and they're at the, and the music festivals and stuff like that. Um, the Celsius has actually radicalized the whole new generation of kids. But before all that, yeah, no, I was gonna before, say, aren't vapes are legal now in Australia. Vapes, vapes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The vapes are illegal, but the, I mean, they're not like it's like yeah. anything. It's like you could the kids are still smoking them at school and yeah, vaping in the bathrooms in the classrooms. Um, but before all that, we had these these funny little alcohol alcohol mixes. I know in America in the colleges they had four locos and stuff like that. In the streets and the house parties in Australia, we had these vodka cruises. Mm. We had these, you know, rum and coke. We had the Jim Ruskies. Jim Beam and Cola. Yeah, Jim Beam and Cola, Ruskies, the Red Bears. Like, so back then, the, the, those drinks were coming in. They were cheaper to make than beer. And they're coming in at a premium. They're coming in not, not even at a premium price. So they're coming in probably, some instances, cheaper than a carton of beer. Um, and, and if you think back to that era, if you were a young man of that era and you you would remember the fact you would remember that it was so violent like everything was so violent the house parties were violent the pubs were violent yeah. you know the music festivals were violent people were punching on um i think that has tapered down a lot uh, over the last couple of decades but i really think that comes down to what these people were drinking what, what was going into their bellies was it was it the 12 guarana infused <laughs> vodka caffeine bombs that they drank you know yeah um, that, that, I think that played a big part 
in in the era and you know and that that was where we kind of that that same era was kind of where this whole one punch thing came out you know they yeah they closed king's cross uh the, the sydney's biggest nightlife district because of the violence and it wasn't the violence so you know if people were you know you could have 10 on 10 brawls there every night and it probably wouldn't have made the same headlines as these people that were running up behind people and punching them which i know was broadcast overseas like it was very much our own gun problem you know mm. what i mean like America's got all these shootings. What are they going to do about What's Australia going to do about these people getting punched in the back of the head um, and killed? And that, well, they did act and they banned basically nightlife for about 10 years in Sydney. Um, But a lot of action was being taken because I actually do think on paper, the cops and the hospitals would have been looking at these people coming in with busted open heads. Um, uh, You know, in 2008, they brought in a alcohol pop tax, 70%. 70 percent tax on those kind of drinks which doubled the prices and they kept them out of reach of kids and i guess that kind of tapered things down but cronulla 2005 2006 was that era that yeah. was the the caffeinated drunken sunburnt uh kind of yahoo era and and it was a very hot summer so it was 38 degrees we had the media all over the city we had the everyone was full of piss everyone was had been pitted against muslims and then of course we had it was our first kind of example of going viral because that was the first year that uh, text messages went unlimited with uh, yeah. your phone plans which that was one thing when i when i saw that i was like of course of mm. course this was going to happen a year before you wouldn't have sent those messages you would have saved it for you know whichever whichever girl you were tuning or <laughs> yeah. uh yeah, or, or whatever boy you were trying to riz up. But now, at that moment, it became viral. It was like, oh, I can forward this on. 250,000 text yeah. messages, you know? I remember that because I would have been like 15 at the time. And yeah, like I remember when those texts were going around. And I think everyone just thought, no, it's just a big, stupid, empty threat where they're just mm. trying to get attention. And then once it went down, it was like, oh, fuck. This is like, <laughs> because now if, if someone tweets something like, I'm going to be at this place at this time with a bomb, people act then like you said hundreds of thousands of texts going around was like no it's fine it's not a real yeah. thing yeah i mean I, but I guess at that same area you look at that's when we had the wild house parties that's mm-hmm. when you had that project x style oh my god this is supposed to be a gathering my parents are away but some forwarded this text to someone else who forwarded it on and you, you would have those parties at that era with 300 kids in a house uh 500 kids in a house thousand even you know what i mean what's what was it's the pretty- guy's name Corey something yeah well he the one that made the news, Corey Worthington. Corey Worthington, um, yeah. And and he, he made the news and he kind of made headlines because he didn't give a fuck. And he just, and he, you know, just refused to apologize. Stepdad's house, you know. Like he was the he was the fucking millennial divorcee kid <laughs> fucking hero. But yeah. um, but I mean everyone everyone knew a party like that in every suburb they lived in, right? Of course. Like there was always one, there's one that you remember growing up that got so out of control, mm-hmm. full of people you didn't know. Yep, big time. Yeah. Mm. Um, given how busy you guys are, obviously with the website still booming, you guys obviously mm. have a podcast as well. Are you entertaining a season two? Is this kind of a one and done? Do you want to do more? Yeah, I mean, a season two would be interesting because um, so of the episodes we've done, we've done, uh, you know, the Rise and Fall of Hill song. Mm-hmm. We did the Murdoch versus Packer Super League War and the battle for, you know, um, sports uh, or cable TV rights in Australia and, and sport coverage. Then we did the Cronulla rights, which we just had a chat about. 
The mm. fourth one is probably the lesser known, like nationwide story. Nationwide is probably lesser known, which is the fine cotton affair, which they might not have sent you yet. Um, mm. No, I don't think a, so. No, no, it's the fourth episode. It's um, it's the it's a story about Queensland in the 1980s and and right. horse racing corruption and one right. particular horse race, which is you know goes down in history. Um, uh, is just, just it, it really exposed just how corrupt things were in, in uh, Queensland at the time. Police, government, and of course, gaming and gambling. Wow. And that, that's been a really good story to tell because I know that comes out next week, but I know that's going to be uh, kind of lost in, in the grass, in the weeds. And that, those are the stories we really want to tell. The ones we have told this, like in this season, are effectively above fine cotton. Like everyone in Queensland knows about fine cotton, but then again, everyone in Queensland of a certain generation knows about fine cotton. Mm. Um, a lot of people down south, you know, people of a certain generation down south would know about it, but the kids don't. And I'd like to tell a story if there's a second season that no one knows about, you know, that okay, yeah, we only yeah. got sniffs of. Um, and and I think now that we've kind of cut our teeth on, you know, well-known story and exposing different elements of well-known stories that people didn't know before and, you know, looking at different factors in well-known stories. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I'd like to, I'd like to tell a story that maybe you heard something once upon a time and maybe, you know, if you're 50, 60 years old now, yeah, there was something fishy going on there. And I know there's stories like that, you know, you know, you know that 1980s, 1970s in Australia was, was a tumultuous time. The cops were crooks. The cops were out of control mm. um, in, in almost every capital city. They, they were they were running with the wolves, and um, I actually think there was a lot of um, you know the nation building of Australia. A lot of people, a lot of people got rich who never ever were associated with um, you know these big events. Like what the fuck? Think about the Sydney Olympics. Think yeah. about the contracts. Think about the money that was made in that city getting that thing built. Like, we don't. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least Japan was honest about the Yakuza <laughs> building the entire fucking thing. And 20, <laughs> like, um, Australia just kind of like, oh, no, a bunch of builders. Yep, good. We did that. 10 year turnaround. We built an entire, we, we redeveloped <laughs> our city in 10 years. Um, how did we get 200? 300 400 500 nightclubs just pop up in time for the olympics like yeah so you think yeah. like kind of like how like netflix has like the unsolved mysteries where like you've never heard these stories but that, that, that almost like sparks a resurgence in interest and people flock yeah. online like i think actually one of the stories like a, a young girl went missing and like mm. a couple of weeks ago she's been found purely yeah. because of that show that's kind of like a cool way to look at it as far as like yeah uncovering these unknown stories and making it like a national thing again yeah, I mean, there's definitely that. like, but it's also, I think it goes back to exposing the character. Um, sure. Some might call us a snitch, you know what I mean? Because we're, we're showing the world these awkward and ugly kind of versions of ourselves. But um, I do think it's, I think, I think it's worth doing because I, I don't know if people want to watch it. Like, uh, you know, we could, we could talk, you know, we, we've heard things in, in doing this one about the horse racing in Queensland. We, we sat down with Bob Carter and we sat down with old horse racing journos and, you know, old government ministers. And they're telling you, like people get knocked off by cops, you know, mm -hmm. in the eighties in Queensland, like some of the numbers that we were told 
of like agitators and protesters and that kind of stuff getting like getting disappeared by a state government and their special cops. It almost sounds like, you know, Soviet era or um, it almost sounds like some of those stories you'd hear coming out of Latin America. You know, when, when we when we point to corrupt countries, we yeah. never, ever think of ourselves, um, you know, like the, the numbers that we were told would would uh, would surpass the RA for, for, you know, kidnapping and murders from from Queensland police in the 1980s so we'd love to uh we'd love to really dig into that um and I, it, it's good now a lot of the people are dead so we can is, is the hard I was gonna say the hard part but you just proved me wrong there is the hard part then taking those stories and then throwing the comedy in there given like again not only how long ago it was but like to your point how many people have disappeared when we talk about that Queensland one for instance yeah. I guess you got to kind of look at it like uh, with those ones, which are like explosive. Mm. Um, you've kind of got to look at it as comedy plus time, uh, tragedy plus time. You know what I mean? Tragedy plus time equals comedy in many instances. Yeah. Um, there's some things we still wouldn't, you know, and that's that's half our job is figuring out what to knock on you. Uh, but I, yeah, I mean, it's just it's not so much the the shock factor or the or the um, the horror it's more the ludicrousness like we watch this fine cotton affair and just see just the lengths people go to um because they were allowed to like it gives you know the long leash that was given to our crooks or to our politicians um and, and still are still very much are in uh in, you just look at certain there's certain councils like you know city councils in this country that they just continually have to sack the board continuously Mm. Ipswich, Ipswich Council, a few of those Western Sydney councils, um, and there's certainly a few regional kind of regional um, towns, you know, where there's a bit of coal or a bit of a bit of resources in the ground. Unbridled corruption, like wow. endless. And uh, and the state government too. I mean, let's look at this most recent election. The, the current premier of New South Wales is the first premier that the actual people have got to choose for 10 years because every single other one stood down amid investigations. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's like, it's just, we even talk about it out loud. It's like, cause again, this is the point of watching the show when you're like, how did this happen? When yeah. you say it out loud, it just sounds fucking ridiculous. Yeah. 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 I know you've got, I, you know, and even when you think you're onto a good thing, you know, you've got a good, um, character like Gladys Berejiklian is a perfect example. Mm. She was she was Teflon. She was you know she was the the leader New South Wales and Sydney needed during the pandemic. You know a softer touch. You know a, a more compassionate kind of voice yeah. in this kind of nation of bravado and and gear changes and shifting goalposts. All this shit. You know Gladys. Everyone trusted Gladys, and then all of a sudden Gladys has to stand down because she's been rooting this bloke who's you know been moving millions of dollars of government money around western new south wales it's like oh of course you think you're <laughs> onto a good thing and then you're not are you more interested in looking at stories from past though like or would you happily look at something that happened just for argument's sake in january of this year like if, if the story's good enough mm. I, does that matter to you or is it more of like as like you said earlier the yesteryear stuff where like how corrupt and how deep things went then yeah, I mean, that's an interesting one. If there is something that has been like 
actively ignored by, you know, be it journalists or media commentators. And I think there still are things like that that come through, you know, and they just kind of, they just kind of move like, you know, like a, like a ship in the night. It's a story you're kind of aware of it and you're Mm. not. um, But I just look at the Australian news cycle now and it's kind of, it's one where perhaps we need to develop a new etiquette on how to cover things because, you know, there's a lot of infatuation. There is, like, as we said before, you can stay on one thing for months. Mm. Um, uh, but but then again, like, you know, there were things happening where it was just like, like, I'd like, you know, you could dig into the hotel quarantine, Australia with their hotel quarantine system. That was a, that was a pretty weird thing. No one else mm. in the world was doing that. We don't really know any of the stories. That, like, what happened? Did that guard, did that guard really have sex with that woman? And cause right, yeah. a second lockdown in Melbourne? Like, is that true? Like, yeah. We didn't really dig into it. Like, we kind of like put the blame on something and kept moving. And anyway, yeah. Is is as far as it, like a, a potential second season? Is that something that you, you have a scheduled meeting with Paramount, or do you just sit by the phone and hope that the response is good? No, we'll, 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 you? Yeah, we'll talk about it ourselves. And once this is done, we'll um we'll uh, run up again um but we do have some ideas and there's also it's not necessarily the scandal either there's some you know there's a bit of fun like the super league story that we've done this year is that's a glitz and glamour story you know what i mean um and and i do think that i'd like to talk about the heyday of australian kind of music you know the heyday and and people will always say that the heyday was the pub rock era but i think there was a moment in time uh probably deep gen x right so kind of post nirvana gen x of mm. triple j channel v big day out like that was oh my god yes yeah like that was hardcore and mm. then, and and the whole thing was run by young people like the whole thing the kids had the keys to the asylum the, um the founder of big day out like isn't even that old now and big yeah. day out stopped <laughs> in like what 2008 was like the last yeah, year yeah 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 yeah, no, and, and you know, it was a good time in an Australian band. Um, yeah, I think that that'd be an interesting kind of era to dig into. Mm. Um, and that's not that long ago. I mean, some of that even kind of uh, crosses over with this era of social media that we're in. But um, I do see that there's a lot of like kind of globalization. It was always something we feared. It was something we feared before, uh, you know, the Channel V big, uh, big Day Out era of mm. you know we. The kids are all watching Michael Jordan. They're not watching Donald Bradman. But I think that's a little bit of a wowserism. But, you know, I do look at um, the state of Australian music at the moment, and a lot of it is, you know, you're being, and I won't say any names because it's cruel to do, to, to refer to someone as an industry plant. But that's all you ever seem to hear about. Every football match, the halftime entertainment is an industry plant. Every single yeah. awards, all the nominees and winners are, you know, the darlings, but you, you don't ever meet anyone in the street that actually listens to this music. Mm. All you know is that they got an ad for Mazda. Like they got a, they got a song <laughs> in, a, in a Mazda ad. Um, how many, like I, it's, all, it's been a running joke for like the last five years as well. Like how many hard rock and or metal bands have won mm. the actual hard rock or metal aria? It's mm. never been a metal band. Or Vanessa Amorossi getting nominated for R&B last year, <laughs> like in 2022. It's it. There is there's there's a lot to do there, um, <laughs> but but for 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 about ten years, ten years ago, um, there was this kind of 
psycho Australian rock, Australian hip hop as well. I mean, that, that's that Australian hip hop's come a long way, and and um and and it's probably due for some. There's definitely due for some institutional recognition, I would say, most mm -hmm. definitely in Australia. Mm. Um, but the early stage of Australian hip hop, when it was kind of a little bit awkward and it was finding its feet, and then all of a sudden the hilltop hoods come through. Yeah. To this day, they can still sell out stages. You know, the hilltop. Hoods. I think I think there is still a stat where it's like they, alongside like Silverchair, Powderfinger, Finger, and one other band, I forget who it is have had like five straight number one albums. Hilltop <laughs> yeah, Hoods next to fucking Silverchair and Powderfinger. Like that's yeah. crazy. And actually that's that's probably the era we're talking about here. Yeah. Know? Like those those three bands, you, you don't hear too many it's too much Australian music uh on the radio nowadays. I mean you get the kid Leroy, but the kid Leroy knew that he had to get out of Australia yeah. to uh, <laughs> yeah. you know he, he knew that he had to get to LA and and start cutting around there for people to kind of notice him. Yeah. Um, and then, and then everyone else is on in their own channels. It's, it is, a, it's a funny thing. It's a mm. funny, it's a funny little, um, uh, moment we're in where it's probably due for a little bit of a reset and, and, you know, and you know, there's, there's plenty of things you can do. You can add streaming numbers to, to charting in Australia. You could, add, yeah. uh, you could, you, you could take into streaming numbers when you're giving awards out. Like I would say, uh, you know this 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 Western Sydney band, um, this rap group, one four, are, are doing bigger numbers. Than, yeah, they're doing num bigger numbers than any anyone with a guitar has ever done on on social media mm. in in Australia. And uh, so, but yeah, but but for that era when all those things were in line, you know, like the and the institutions and the events and the awards, everything was like gelling as one. Like that was the silver chair powder finger hilltops era. Yeah. I'd like to, uh, yeah, I, I reckon that'd be a good story to tell. Yeah, for sure. But even a band like Parkway Drive, like who are ginormous yeah. overseas, like mm. yes, they're huge in Australia, but like they're still not really recognized by the yeah. local industry because yeah. they they do loud noises with their mouths. They just don't like yeah. it. Yeah, it is weird. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you'll see it firsthand. This is a nice little segue. You'll see it firsthand because you guys are doing your podcast live at Splendor in the Grass in a few weeks, aren't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's yeah, exciting. Yeah. Yeah, no, we get to we've been a couple of times now. We mostly interview artists while we're up there. Sure. Um, but yeah, it'll be um, it'll be interesting to do it to to the punters. Yeah, are you, are you, do you get to go see the bands though while you're there as well? It's very much. Yeah, we do. We do. We got you know we've been there a couple of times and and seen some. You know, we got to see what was that? Who was that young bloke from Manchester? Who was a rapper? H. Oh. H is H. H. His name is. Yeah. H. And we had to run from him to Gallagher, like two two different different versions of Manchester, um, <laughs> on different ends of the North Byron Parklands. That yeah, sure. Was, um, in that, that fucking weather too. Mm. The best was the Stoke though, in that splendid mud. They get up and they go. Um, they were <laughs> old mate. I don't know who was the leader of the band's name. Um, of who? Sorry, the Strokes. Yeah, uh, Casablancas. Julian had this headache. He's going like this. He's rubbing his temples. And he goes, to the kids who, you know, in all the mud, out, I just want to say, uh, whatever, play the song. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that man is jet lagged. <laughs> well, I'm excited to hear all about the Splendor stuff, dude. Um, yeah, and explore this music industry thing because I think there's something there. You might have to yeah, pull back sure. out. 
Um, Clancy, thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate you taking the time again early in Australia. Congrats on the show, man. It's, it's, it's so fucking funny. I hope everyone checks it out. Thanks, Neil. And, um, yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, thanks for, thanks for thinking of it. Thanks for having us on and veering slightly off format. Um, to have a chat with us. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, man. <laughs> See you, mate. This episode is sponsored by Splendor in the Grass. To watch full episodes of the Plug Podcast, head over to the official YouTube page at theplug.podcast and hit the subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the video content. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at theplug.podcast for all episode announces, teasers, and giveaways.